Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Luke 24 and 49. So the more I preach on it, the more you'll be empowered to act on it. Luke 24, 49, Jesus said, Behold, I send... Who sins? Jesus. Jesus said, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Circle the word upon. I send the promise of my Father upon you. Tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until. So tarrying is not valid for today. It was valid for them because they were waiting for a specific time on God's calendar until you be endued, and the word endued means to put on like a coat, until you be endued with power from on high. So the promise of the Father upon us will result in endowment with power from on high. God's power on the believer as a result of receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Acts 1. Acts 1. will actually begin in verse 4. Being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. So is this a command? He commanded them that they should not depart, but wait. He commanded them to wait for the promise of the Father. Don't leave. Until you receive, don't leave until you receive the promise of the Father, which you have heard of me for, now the emphasis of what they've heard, John truly baptizes with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days from now. So the promise of the Father is the baptism in the Holy Ghost. He said, wait for the promise of the Father, which you've heard of me, the baptism in the Holy Ghost. The baptism in the Spirit of God is the promise of the Father. Acts 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost, did he say not many days from now? When the day of Pentecost, the the day of Pentecost is the day where they celebrated the feasts that were a that that had a double harvest. It was the grain harvest and the wine harvest or the grape harvest. And so this double harvest is a representation of salvation and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Because you can't be filled with the Holy Spirit if you're not saved. The only requirement of being baptized in the Holy Spirit is that you be saved. So the grain harvest and the wine harvest is a representation of salvation and infilling. Praise God. And so when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. See the unity, the atmosphere of unity. They were all with one accord. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire and it set up on he said the holy spirit will come upon you the promise of the father will come upon you the it set upon each of them and they were all filled with the holy ghost They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. What's the evidence that they were filled? What was the the, um, uh, biblical evidence that they were filled with the Holy Ghost? They began to speak with new tongues. 
they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They spake, the Spirit gave them utterance. The Holy Spirit did not possess them and make their mouth move against their will or without their participation. They spoke. The words that came to them were by the Spirit of God, but they, they moved their mouth. They chose to open their mouth and to move their mouth. They spoke, and the Spirit of God gave them utterance. So when I say what is the biblical evidence, it's because we want to know what the Bible identifies as fullness. What the Bible, because it tells us be being filled, doesn't it? In Ephesians chapter 5, be being filled. And that's the amplified version of that. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. It says be being filled, which means there should be constantly a filling in your life. Hold your place here and look at it so that you can see what I'm talking about. And show me the amplified of Ephesians 5 and verse, I want to say 16, but wait, when I get there, I'll tell you. Ephesians 5 and verse 18. 518 in the Amplified. The King James says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled, but be filled with the Spirit. So he's in he is using alcohol as a comparison because when we are filled with the spirit we are under the influence of the spirit just like if someone is drunk they are under the influence and they are no longer making decisions based on their natural ability they're under the influence of the alcohol but he said i don't want you to be under the influence of alcohol I want you to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit and be influenced by, be making your decisions by the, 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 um, the result of his infilling. So the Amplified says, but ever be filled and stimulated with the Holy Spirit. Ever be filled. If you looked it up in the original language, it gives the idea of the verb tense be being. Something that's ongoing. Yes. Be being filled. How do I do that? Well, those that we just read about in Acts chapter 2, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 4, they got filled again. Remember when they prayed? We were just talking about that corporate prayer session they had. And they prayed, God, stretch forth your hand to heal. Grant unto your servants boldness. It says the place was shaken where they were gathered and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They'd already been filled once, but they were be-being. They were in that constant state of infilling. They, and how were they doing that? They were, they were fellowshipping and speaking in tongues. And when you're speaking in tongues, you're, you're drinking of the Spirit. You're drinking of that rivers of living water. Amen? When you are, and that's why when Ephesians 5, it goes on to say, don't be drunk with wine, but ever be filled and stimulated with the Holy Spirit. And then it begins to give out specific things that you should do to be being filled. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So it doesn't always just have to be tongues. But tongues is definitely a way to help you get into that spiritual flow of a spiritual song. A lot of the songs that have come to pastor come to him because he's, he's, he's singing in the spirit or he's been praying in the spirit and then he gets up and his tongue is just already connected to his spirit. And I use that phrase because I've learned that phrase. The Holy Spirit would give that to Brother Hagen and Brother Hagen would say, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna connect my tongue back to my spirit and he'd pray in the spirit for just a minute and then begin to give utterances. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I remember uh, he tells a story about uh, a person that he knew whose mother had experienced a, uh, a stroke. And so this, this man was going to the nursing home to ask his mother about some uh, decisions that he had to make with some insurance. And he, his mother couldn't speak. 
She could just nod yes or nod no. She could just, you know, with her shaking of the head, she could understand. She could, her mind was okay in the understanding, but she had lost her verbal capacity. And so he was there asking her the questions that he needed to ask her about some sale of property and some insurance policies that they had. And he said, Mom, let's, let's just take a moment and pray. And so they began to pray in tongues and she opened up her mouth and prayed in tongues just fine. Because speaking in tongues doesn't come from your mind. The stroke had damaged the part of her brain that was connected, but it hadn't hindered her spirit from praying. So she could verbalize from her spirit and pray in tongues, but she couldn't with her mind. Hallelujah. And so we've got to recognize that when I'm praying in tongues, my mind is not being edified by it. And my mind is not required in it either. And that's why there are times that you can be praying and your mind is thinking about your grocery list. And you've got to discipline your mind not to get over here over in the natural, but to, begin to, but to stay in that place where you're identifying what is, what is uh, being impressed upon your spirit as you're praying in tongues. So we see here that they spoke and the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. Let's look at Acts chapter 10 and let's see another biblical evidence of what happens when the Bible says they were filled. Acts 10, 44 is talking about uh, Peter as he is preaching in Cornelius' house. Cornelius was not a Jew and they didn't think, at this point, they did not think that anybody outside of the Jewish heritage could be saved and God had to give Peter a vision of, of the unclean animals on that sheet. And God spoke in that vision and said, Do not call unclean what I have called clean. And then when he came out of that vision, the three men who Cornelius had sent were down at the gate. And he said, I want you to go with them. And so through a vision and through a, a specific speaking to of the Holy Spirit, Peter is there in Cornelius' house and he is preaching the gospel. He is preaching Jesus crucified, buried, and resurrected. He is preaching about Jesus. And verse 44, while Peter yet spoke these words. Now remember, what does it require? The Holy Spirit, baptism. The only requirement is that we be born again. They get born again while Peter is preaching. They're receiving they didn't have to have a long altar call and any tears. They were already ready to receive Jesus as Lord. They just needed to hear the gospel preached so that they could believe on him and call on his name. And it, while Peter yet spoke the gospel to them, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Now, we read this morning how the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus in a bodily shape. The Holy Spirit, not a bird, the Spirit of God himself came from heaven. The heavens were torn, rent, cloven. Those were all words that, that we used in those uh, phrases this morning from Mark and John. And they were, the, the Holy Spirit opened. It wasn't a cloud parting. It wasn't the sun coming out from behind the clouds. The, 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 the atmosphere above the earth opened and the Holy Spirit came from heaven to the earth and descended upon Jesus and, and upon him. The, you know, when John testified about that, he said, the one who sent me to baptize, he told me that when I see the Holy Spirit descend and remain upon. So he saw, John saw the Holy Spirit come upon Jesus and stay upon him. He said, when I see that, I'll know he's the Christ. So John could see the Holy Spirit come upon Jesus. It wasn't a bird. It was the Spirit of God came upon him. Jesus said, the, power will, the promise of the Father will come upon you. You will be endued. You'll put on like a coat the power of God. And so we saw in Acts 2 that the Holy Spirit came upon them. Upon was the word that was used. And here we see the Holy Spirit fell. 
And I'm using this emphasis to let us know how he moves in these corporate settings. How he moves when he's, when he's wanting to, to manifest in this way. That he comes upon the description that was given at the baptism of Jesus like a dove was describing the mannerism through which the Holy Spirit descended. Not swooping like a predator, like an eagle, but gently descending and lighting upon like a dove would gently come down and light upon. So the Holy Spirit's not coming down forceful. He's not coming down uh, uh, painfully and, and sinking talons into us. But the Holy Spirit is going to move upon us gently. And so we want to be sensitive to that. We want to be sensitive to when the Holy Spirit wants to fall upon us. He fell in that room while the word was being preached. He fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed, they were shocked. They were astonished as many as came with Peter because... On the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. How did they know the gift of the Holy Ghost was poured out on these Gentiles? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. They heard them speak with tongues and they knew this is the evidence They would not have believed it any other way. But they knew for them to speak in tongues the way we speak in tongues, they have to be saved. So they have have gotten saved because they have been infilled and baptized with the gift of the Holy Spirit has been poured out on them. What was the evidence? They spoke with tongues. They spoke with tongues. Let's look at Acts chapter 19, and I referred to this group, but I want you to see in Scripture, Acts chapter 19. Now, you remember when in Acts chapter 10, when Philip was preaching and uh, in Samaria was experiencing a great revival, uh, the minute that, they, that the, the church leaders found out, I'm talking about God's, what the disciples found out that there was a revival going on in Samaria, they sent Peter and John specifically for the purpose of helping them receive the Holy Spirit. We'll look at that maybe in a moment. Let's see how we go with this. Acts 19, verse 1. It came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples... This is the first question Paul asks these disciples. Have you received, can you circle received? Have you received the Holy Ghost? So the question is, remember they find out that there's a revival going on in Samaria. People are getting saved. Let's send Peter and John to make sure they receive the Holy Spirit. The very first question that Paul asks this group of believers is, have they received the Holy Spirit? And they said unto him, we have so much, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, unto what then were you baptized? And they said, unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on. Now, were they saved? They just got saved if they've been baptized in Jesus' name. So they're saved, and and so the Holy Spirit's in them. But now what happens? Paul laid his hands on them, and the Holy Ghost came on them, and the biblical evidence we see again, this is our third witness, that when the Holy Spirit comes upon with the baptism, they speak with other tongues. They spoke with tongues. And, hey, 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 
prophesied. Just got saved. Just got saved. Just got saved. Hadn't even been saved five minutes. And they're already in the gifts of the Spirit of God. They're prophesying. Hallelujah. How did that happen? The, speaking in tongues is the doorway to the supernatural. Speaking in tongues is, is the entrance into the gifts of the Spirit. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is the wells of living water, the rivers of living water, the rivers that provide the 1 Corinthians chapter 12 manifestations in our life. The indwelling is the John 4 well of water, the Holy Spirit living in us through salvation, and the result is the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, meekness, temperance. The fruit is because the Spirit of God dwells in us. The well of water, the well of living water, but the baptism in the Holy Spirit he said in John 7, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Holy Ghost who had not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. But on the day of Pentecost, Peter was preaching, what you see and what you hear is what, the, is what happened as a result of the fact that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father glorified and he has sent forth this which you now see and hear. So the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the speaking in tongues, is just as much, it is, it is just as vital as the interaction that we have with the Holy Spirit from the well of water. He wants us to take it off of the optional list. You know, like if you buy a car and you say, yeah, I need to save some money, so I'm not going to go with the full package. I don't want to have the, the full uh, uh, luxury package. Just give me the basics. We got too many believers just going basic with their Christianity. And, and the Holy Spirit, no charge, already provided. Just go ahead and get the deluxe package and receive the fullness, the fullness of the Spirit of God. Don't just opt out for a basic package where, okay, I want Him to, 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 to dwell in me and I want to have access to the fruit, but I, you know, I, I don't need any of the other flows of the Spirit in my life. But now listen, we talk about the, the gifts of the Spirit and in, in, in their use... The manifestations of the gifts are most generally for working in the ministry. But you need the word. of. You, there are times that the Holy Spirit will, will show you things that come as a result of a word of knowledge. That people who haven't received the baptism, they're not going to have that same activity of the Holy Spirit in their life because they opted out of him in that area. Hallelujah. Pastor, uh, this morning, he said he was praying for uh, Doris. Uh, and, it, you know, Doris is, is overcoming, and he's, he was praying for her, and the Lord showed him something specific to pray for her. So he called her up, and he said, this is what um, the Lord has told me to pray for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When um, one of the members in the, can in the Little Rock location, they were dealing with a very severe case of COVID that had caused their uh, fever to go up and, and the fever. And the Lord gave pastor a specific verse to use. And he called and used that verse. And within 24 hours, they had turned that fever. Hallelujah. You need a pastor who's, who's, who's operating in the supernatural, who can get specific. But you need that too. You need that too. There are things the Holy Spirit will reveal to you. You know, Paul was on the ship. And the, the Lord showed him by a word of wisdom that that ship should not sail. 
And he said, sirs, I perceive. It didn't come to him in detail. He just had a perception that was coming supernaturally by the Spirit of God. He said, I perceive that this will be bad if we sail. I, I perceive it. And they, wouldn't, they would not acknowledge his perception. But, you know, they sure were glad when he's out there and they're in the middle and they've thrown off everything off the boat, all of the supplies, all of the, the ship's uh, uh, sails and, and ropes and everything. There's nothing on the ship except the people. And Paul stands up and says, don't be concerned. Nobody's going to die. The Lord whose I am and whom I serve, his angel has stood by me tonight. And I believe God. Amen. And they were glad that he was supernatural that night. They were glad he was hearing from God that night. But it would have saved everybody all of that heartache and all of that difficulty if they would have just acted on that first impression that he got. It was just as supernatural as the angel standing by him. Hallelujah. The... The fact that these believers can get saved, speak in tongues and prophesy right away helps us to understand that the manifestation of the gifts is not, is not based on maturity. Now, that understanding helps us in two ways because you may see someone who is used of God in a gift and then you see them out in the parking lot having a flesh fit. And you think, now, wait a minute. They were just inside giving a word, and it was on. I had a witness. It was right. It was, it, it was in line with the word of God. How can they be out here in the parking lot screaming at their husband or at their wife? How can I hear them over here criticizing or gossiping or something? Because it's not based on maturity. It's a manifestation as the Spirit wills. Hallelujah. But they, they, these were just born again and began to manifest the power of one of the gifts of the Spirit, the gift of prophecy. Hallelujah. Because speaking in tongues is the doorway to the supernatural. Speaking in tongues is that entrance into the flow of the manifestation of the gifts. Now, can we talk about the gifts for a minute? We all understand the difference between... Uh, um, the, what the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, those are character traits of God himself. It is the love of God, the peace of God, the joy of the Lord. Those are God's character traits that are now resident in each believer. We are the vines. He, we are the branches. He is the vine. So this connection with the indwelling, the Spirit of God dwelling in us. He's going to help us live on target, lives that are honorable to God, lives that are stable in God. That's the indwelling. But the infilling, the manifestation of the gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is not as often discussed. So I think we need to spend more time discussing it because he begins 1 Corinthians 12 by saying, I don't want you to lack knowledge about the flow of my spirit. I don't want you to lack knowledge concerning spiritual. Notice in the King James Version, the word gifts is in italics because it's not in the original. If you were to look closely at uh, the, the word spiritual, uh, Young, Dr. Young in the Young's uh, uh, concordance identifies that it means things pertaining to the spirit. Concerning things pertaining to the spirit, brethren, I don't want you to lack knowledge. Oh, praise God, I like that. Concerning the spiritual things, brethren. What version is that? Is that New King James? Uh, Young's literal. Well, see, praise God. Concerning the spiritual things, things pertaining to the Spirit, I don't want you to lack knowledge. 
And so that's why he's talking about it. And he goes through and he lists the nine gifts of the Spirit in verses uh, beginning there in 8 and down through 10. He lists nine. Now, there are nine fruit in Galatians 5, and there are nine gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Nine and nine. And in this manifestation of the Spirit, these gifts of the Spirit, they are His gifts, they're not ours. When they operate in our lives, they're at His choosing, they're under His His, um, leadership, they are the gifts of the Spirit. And so verse 8, For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, that all these work that one and the self-same spirit, dividing to every man severally, so no man will have all nine in operation in their life. Only Jesus, who operated in seven of the nine in his ministry, we have biblical evidence of seven of the nine in operation in his ministry. The two that were not in operation in his ministry were tongues and interpretation of tongues because they were initiated or began in the church age. Hallelujah. But we have evidence of the working of miracles in Jesus' ministry, the gifts of healings, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the discerning of spirits. We have evidence that he operated in all seven of the others, the fullness Uh, because John chapter 3 and verse 34. This is why. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives not the Spirit by measure unto him. So Jesus has received the fullness. Remember he said, I have received the promise of the Father and sent forth. He said, I will receive the promise of the Father. I'm going to go back to, to the Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. Verse 33 of Acts 2. Therefore, by being by the right hand of God exalted, having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this which you now see and hear. So Jesus has received the fullness. He was not given the Spirit in a measured portion. Jesus is the head. He has the fullness. He is the Christ, which means the anointed one. He is the one who has received the fullness of the Spirit. We are in Christ. We are all members together in Christ. But we are not the Christ. We are Christians. We are are little, little Christians, little Christians. We are little anointed ones. So none of us are going to have a full measure of all nine gifts operating continually in our lives. It may be possible that a person over the course of their life at different times has experienced manifestations of all of these at different times occasionally. They may have been in a situation where the Holy Spirit gave them a word of wisdom about something and they, it saved their life. And then they may have been in another situation 15 years later and God gave them a word of knowledge about something or, or working in a gift of healing or a, uh, a discerning of spirits. But it is not scriptural that any person is going to operate all nine continually on a continual, consistent basis in their life because none of us have the fullness of the Spirit in, without measure. Severally, as He wills. Severally, severally, so you can believe for more than one to be in operation. And if you're in a ministry office, there are certain gifts that coincide with ministry offices. The gift of the evangelists that we saw in Acts chapter 8 with Philip in Samaria. There were working of miracles. There were healings. There uh, there were signs and wonders in his ministry. That's part of the office 
equipment. In a prophet's office, there is going to be discerning of spirits and either the word of wisdom or the word of knowledge in operation. In, in, the, um, in different offices, there are different equippings that come with that office that are going to work more generally on a consistent basis. So I'm not telling you that the, the Holy Spirit won't use you consistently, but not in all nine is what I'm saying. Why? Because only Jesus has been given the Spirit without measure. He is the Christ. We're in Him. And the anointing we do have is because it comes from Him. What He's received as the promise of the Father, He has delegated to us and, and poured out upon us the promise of the Father, which is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So when we see, I'm going back to 1 Corinthians, and when we see these listed... We see that the emphasis is on the Holy Spirit being in charge of how these gifts are distributed and operate. Every one of the gifts of the Spirit require faith. The, the Bible faith that we have in believing, we have to step out in faith to act upon the prompting of the Holy Spirit or the leading or the impression of the Holy Spirit to respond to any of these gifts. It takes faith to uh, operate the gifts of healing. Amen? You're going to have to believe God as He's telling, as He's impressing you in these gifts. So, so when we see these, all of these are supernatural. What I want to say is, the word of wisdom is not wisdom that comes from reading the Bible or wisdom that is a result of us being saved because Jesus is made unto us wisdom, 1 Corinthians 1.30 says. Jesus is made unto us wisdom. The word of wisdom is a word of wisdom, not a sentence, not a paragraph, not a chapter, a word, a word of wisdom. And so this is not talking about the wisdom of God that comes from reading the Bible. This is talking about a supernatural manifestation of a piece, a word, a segment, a fragment of something about the future. The wisdom, the word of wisdom is the future telling one. Not to be confused with what society or religion calls prophecy. In the body of Christ, we've got people who use the word prophecy and they're talking about Daniel and Revelation. They're talking about end times prophecy. The gift of prophecy is not that. And it's not forthtelling. We're going to find out what the gift of prophecy is. It's edification, uh, uh, exhortation and comfort according to scripture. The simple gift of prophecy. So the the understanding that each one of these gifts are supernatural in their working helps us identify that it's not just knowledge that comes from how much I've studied the Bible. It's not just wisdom that comes from me reading through the book of Proverbs or because Jesus is giving me his wisdom. If you ask for wisdom, God will apply it liberally. That's not the word of wisdom. The word of wisdom is a supernatural gift that when in manifestation will give me understanding about something in the mind of God that I don't know. Something in the mind of God that's future, that's going to happen. So Jesus told to Peter, he said, I want you to go fishing and the first fish you catch, it's going to have a piece of gold in it. It's going to have a coin in it, in its mouth. Take that coin and go pay our taxes. How did he know what was going to be in that mouth of the fish? A word of wisdom. He said to the woman at the well, he said, the man that you're married to is not your husband. As a matter of fact, you've had five other husbands, five other men before him. What was that? Word of knowledge. He's, he, and she, she went all throughout the city saying, this man told me things about my life. He, he was on it. He knew. It was a witness to her. But it was a gift of the Spirit. It wasn't because Jesus was the son of God. He was the son of God before he was baptized. 
but it was because Jesus was operating with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit was giving him the ability to connect with that woman and help lead her to a place of the light. Amen? So the working of the word of knowledge, the working of the word of wisdom, the working of uh, uh, the gifts of healings, there is healing anointing. There is healing that comes by the prayer of faith. The working of the gifts of healings are different from the healing anointing and different from it's a supernatural manifestation of the gift of the Spirit. So why didn't, why didn't Jesus empty out the pool of Bethesda? Why didn't Jesus heal everybody? There's a lot of people around the pool of Bethesda. But only one man got healed. Evidently, Jesus only was led to that one man because it was the gift. It was the Holy Spirit leading him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. When we recognize the supernatural manifestation of every gift, we'll begin to understand uh, how they'll operate and we can identify the Holy Spirit's telling me to do something. I, I want to also, before I move away from this, um, bring a clarity to the difference between the gift of tongues. Now remember, the gift of faith is not the faith that comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The gift of faith is a special faith. It's a working, a supernatural working of special faith. In the same way, tongues is in this corporate setting, there's a gift of tongues. In our personal life, there's a flow of tongues. In the same way that in my personal life, there is an, a faith that I'm operating as a child of God, that I'm feeding my faith with the Word of God, I'm growing my faith, I'm exceedingly growing in faith. But the gift of faith is separate from that. It's additional to that. It's operating in a, in a different way. And so the, to raise the dead requires the gift of faith in operation. Hallelujah. To uh, when, when uh, the, the Red Sea was parted by Moses, there was a working of miracles and then the gift, both produce miracles. Working of miracles and the gift of faith both produce miracles, but one actively works the miracle and the other passively receives the miracle. So when he opened the Red Sea, he worked the miracle. That was the working of miracles. But when the maintenance of keeping the walls up while three million people passed through, that was the gift of faith. Hallelujah. Both have a miracles as a result, but one is actively working and one is passively receiving. So in the same way that the gift of faith is, is separate from the operation of our faith that comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, tongues in, the, in this gift of speaking in tongues, it is, it is, it is additional to, I don't want to call it separate because when you begin to, when you, when you sense that the Holy Spirit is impressing you to give an utterance in tongues in front of the congregation or in the midst of the congregation of, of your fellow believers, it's going to sound like the same tongues that you speak with when you're in your private prayer time. But there's a weight of the Spirit. There's, there's a recognition. This is, the Holy Spirit has come upon me. It's, you can, it's almost like that coat. It's almost like he comes on you. And, you're, and, and at first you might think, should I say something? I feel like I should say something. I feel like I should utter that out. And you may only get one word. You may only get, you know, a phrase in tongues. And, and that impression, he's not, he's not going to shake you. He's not going to jolt you. He's going to impress. He's going to impress. And he's waiting for that faith response of just speaking it out. This is going to come out as a gift of the Spirit, speaking in a tongue, an utterance, and there will be someone equipped to give the interpretation. Hallelujah. 
If someone doesn't respond, it doesn't necessarily mean that you missed it. It means that they may not be at a place of confidence in the impression that they're receiving to respond. Hallelujah. There have been times that someone has given a tongue, and I know I can, I can respond, but I'm waiting to see if God's working to train someone else also to respond. And so sometimes I'll wait and I'll look around to see, is somebody else getting it? And if someone else doesn't get it, I know as the pastor, I'm equipped to respond. I know as the pastor, I'm equipped. Brother Haken and Brother um, uh, Pastor Goodwin, J.R. Goodwin, they would determine before the service started who was going to interpret the service and who was going to respond if there was any tongues that came forth, who was going to utter the... They, they knew they were equipped. If someone else doesn't get it, we've got the equipment to answer that. Why? Because we're in charge in this service. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when, when we see tongues and we read in chapter 14, we've got to differentiate between, is he talking about tongues in the service, the gift of, of speaking in other tongues, of diverse kind of tongues, or is he talking about speaking in tongues in my personal life? So I want to give you some examples. For instance, in 14.1, follow after love. He's just spent all of chapter 13 bringing people to a place of understanding that, we need, that love is the motive for all of our spiritual activity. If love isn't the root then it's, what good is it for me to have the gift of faith that can move a mountain if love isn't my root? If love isn't my motivation, if the edification of the church, that's the other thing that you'll see throughout chapter 14, is that all things should be done to edify, that your motive should be to build up the people in the church, to build the people, not the building, not the organization, the people. We are the church. We, this family, we're a church family. And every one of us should come in with this urgent, earnest desire that every one of my brothers and sisters be edified by the Spirit tonight. That every one of you get something from God. Amen? And so that's what he's saying. Follow after love. Make that your pursuit. And desire spiritual things. Desire spiritual flows. Show me young living again there. Follow after charity and desire spiritual. Pursue, and the word does mean it's like a hunter who is tracking an animal. That's what he wants you to do where love is concerned. Track love like a hunter tracks an animal in the forest, you know. Pursue the love and seek earnestly the spiritual things. Can we all add that to our to-do list? I want you to earnestly desire spiritual things because the scripture tells you to desire earnestly. Seek earnestly. Seek earnestly. This is for you. This is for me. Seek earnestly the flows of the Spirit of God and rather that you may prophesy. We're not talking about Daniel, Revelation, end times prophecy. We're talking about a scriptural edification. We're going to see that. Let me read verse 2 first. He that speaks in a tongue speaketh not unto men but unto God, for no man understands him. What is needed? If someone gives a tongue, a message in tongues in the church, no one understands until what? Until we have an interpretation. So tongues and interpretation, when they join together, will produce the same as prophecy. Prophecy is equivalent to tongues and interpretation together. Why? Because their they're tongues followed by the interpretation of that tongue. And I, notice it's not a translation. If I were translating something into Spanish, I would translate word for word what that person says. I'm translating to get the specific word that they're using and the intent behind that word. But if I'm interpreting, that's why when, when someone is, is standing up here, the, the interpreter, 
It's not necessarily a word-for-word translation. It's an interpretation of what was being said in tongues. That's why the word in tongues can be long and the interpretation of it be short or vice versa because we're telling you in, in, in essence, it's an interpretation. But together, the tongues and the interpretation will produce the same thing that the gift, the simple gift of prophecy will produce, which is, verse 3, he that prophesies speaks unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. That is the simple gift of prophecy. So we're not talking about what the society or the church world uses when they say prophecy they're talking about Daniel revelation in times prophecy 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 but the bible is talking about edification exhortation and comfort so the gift of prophecy is going to produce exhortation or the tongues and interpretation is going to produce edification exhortation and comfort But notice he said in verse 2, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men but unto God. Then it also goes on to say, Howbeit in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. Well, when you're praying in tongues in your own personal life, you are speaking to God. That's why we don't use tongues against the devil. The devil doesn't understand all tongues. You can speak in tongues and pray things and the devil's saying, what are they saying? I don't understand them. What are they talking to God about? And you're over here getting some answers. You are praying some mysteries. You are praying some things out. Hallelujah. Because you're speaking to God. You're speaking to God. And you're speaking mysteries. Can you show me I'm, I, the amplified of that verse, of verse 2? Hallelujah. One who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands or catches his meaning because in the Holy Spirit he utters secret truths and hidden things not obvious to the understanding. Hidden truths and secret truths Secret truths and hidden things not obvious to the understanding. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need to be uttering those things. And we're going to find out why here in just a minute. Verse 4, he that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. You need the edification that comes by speaking in tongues. He that speaks in tongues edifies himself. Now remember, we're recognizing there's an application for this for my individual speaking in tongues. He's also identifying that when we're in the corporate setting, if there's only a word in tongues and there is no interpretation, it would be better to prophesy. Because if, if we're all speaking in tongues and nobody knows what anybody else is saying, no one's going to grow and no one's going to be strengthened. So the purpose then is the edification. He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. We do need that edification. The amplified. Show me amplified here. Glory to God. He who speaks in a tongue edifies and improves himself. Improvement. Improvement. There's spiritual improvement for us when we speak in tongues. We edify and we improve ourselves, but he who prophesies, interpreting the divine will and purpose and teaching with inspiration, edifies and improves the church and promotes growth. And so the emphasis of the chapter is to get the Corinthians to not come in and speak in tongues for the whole service, but to recognize there needs to be edification in the church. But he's not telling them not to speak in tongues. 
He's telling them, if you speak in tongues, let there be an interpreter. So, verse 5, I would that you all spoke with tongues. I want you all to speak with tongues, but, in, but rather that you prophesied, for greater is he that prophesies than he that speak with tongues, except if you have the interpretation, then it's okay. So that the church may receive edifying. Now, I just challenge you, as you read through chapter 14, to circle every time you see the word edify. We saw it in verse 3. It said edification. We saw it in verse 4. Speaking in tongues, you get edified. Verse 4, he that prophesies edifies the church. So we've seen it in in two verses right there. Here it is again in verse 5, edification. If you look, it's in verse 12, it's in verse 17, and it's in verse 26 as well. And I might have missed a few, but I just started seeing how many times the edification is emphasized and the spiritual manifestation of the gifts is for the edifying. He's saying the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit is going to improve the church. It's going to help the church. It's going to strengthen the people. It's going to help people because the Spirit is able to manifest Himself in a way to bring healing, to bring wisdom, to bring, to bring direction to people, to bring understanding to their lives. Hallelujah. 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 So when we recognize the value of speaking in tongues is, and then when we come together being sensitive and willing to be used by the Spirit of God, then we're recognizing how to edify other people in our church family. Amen. So before I close, let me just uh, take us over to verse 12. Hallelujah. Even so, ye, forasmuch as you are zealous of spiritual, and it says gifts, but we know we're talking about manifestations, seek that you may excel. Now, did he tell us to seek spiritual gifts in verse 1? Now he's telling us to become skilled in the flow of the Spirit of God. Seek that you may excel. Why? So the church can be edified. That's the, that's the, that's what's important to God. He's brought us together in this church family. He has given us people of like precious faith. He has joined us. We have, we have an assignment from God. We get to build faith and frame people's worlds. He has thought enough of all of us to bring us together for such a time as this, joining us in this church family, anointing us to fulfill his plan and his purpose. And he says, this church family is vital to me. This church family is important to me. What happens with this church, and when I say this, this church family lives in two states. And we have, we have more family over on the Missouri side here. So we've got three different states represented in this church family. We've got some of our church family in Ghana. We've got some of our church family in Ecuador. But, but for this church family, God wants us edified. Amen. And the gifts, the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit are the emphasis of the edification here. So he says in verse 12, Excel, seek that you may excel so the church can be edified. Verse 13, wherefore let him, this is, a, this is a mandate for us, this is homework, let him that speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. Anybody got that on your prayer list? I got it on mine. I got this on my prayer list. I want, and I, I have had opportunity where the Holy Spirit has used me to interpret. Tongues and interpretation are the mark of the New Testament church. It is a mark of a New Testament church. We should have tongues and interpretation uh, uh, flowing most generally in our services. Hallelujah. And he says that we should pray that we would interpret what we speak in tongues. Now, that can be in your own personal life, and that can be 
that you would say, Lord, if you use me in a tongue, give me in the interpretation of it so that I can edify the church. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays. Who's praying? Not my head. My spirit is praying. And the Holy Spirit's helping me by giving me the words, but my spirit is praying. But my understanding is unfruitful. But you can keep your mind in tune. You can keep your focus. You may not understand what you're saying, but you can release your faith. My understanding is unfruitful. So what am I going to do? What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit. We should sing with the Spirit. I will sing with the Spirit and I will sing with the understanding. Else when you shall bless with... Can you do that? Can I bless with the Spirit? He says so right here. When you shall bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupies the room of the unlearned say amen at the giving of thanks, seeing he understands not what you're saying? For you truly give thanks well. When I'm praying in tongues and worshiping and blessing God in tongues, I am giving thanks well. I am giving thanks well. And if I'm at home by myself or I'm in my own personal or even if I'm in my pew by myself, sitting right here, worshiping God in tongues, I'm not doing it as Uh, an operation of the gift for you. I'm just blessing the Lord. But if I'm standing up here and I'm speaking to all of you or I am leading us in worship and I'm blessing the Lord, how can you say amen if I'm speaking in tongues without an interpretation? So do you see that when I do sing in tongues or bless with tongues, I'm doing it well. But when I'm gathered... My emphasis needs to be that you understand so that you can be edified. He's not saying to tone it down. He's just saying to use the, wisely the opportunity to edify. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church... I had rather speak five words with my understanding. Why? So that by my voice, I might teach others also. That's the, that's the edification. That's my desire. I want, I want everybody to get it. I, want, I can get it, and I can have a flow, and I can have an understanding, but if I come in here and y'all don't get it, then what, what if we prospered? Right? What is he saying? That by my voice, I might teach others also. And then he follows it up with this. Don't be children in understanding. Now he was dealing with the church at Corinth who were so zealous of gifts that they were, uh, they were wanting the manifestation for the manifestation's sake. Not for the people to grow. Not for the edifying. Not for the people to have understanding and growth and, and spiritual development. They just were excited about the, wow, did you see the Spirit of God move? Wow, did you see that person give that word and that person gave this? And they just, for the manifestation's sake. And he wasn't telling them to stop the manifestations. He was just saying, let your motive be edifying and you'll be on target. Amen? But he wants the gifts to be something we desire. And that we desire to be skillful. Now, I'll tell you, Smith Wigglesworth prophesied that the end time move of God would be a fullness of all the other movements of God that we would look at as the healing revival, the charismatic renewal, the word of faith, all of the the powerful moves of God in one. We know that God said in the last days he would pour out his spirit. We know that 
uh, Smith Wigglesworth as, as well as uh, Brother Hagen and Dr. Dufresne talked about there being a fullness of the gifts of the Spirit and a full operation of the fivefold ministry offices. In other words, that the, the people who are in the office of the evangelist are going to operate at the full potential of the evangelist's office. Can you imagine the salvations that are going to happen when evangelists are not at 30%? You, have you ever heard Brother Hagen? He would say, I got to 70% tonight. Hallelujah. It is happening. <laughs> For us to have the fullness, we're going to have to have skill. For us to have the Holy Spirit, have his manifestation the way he wants to, we're going to have to desire and prepare at home so that when we come together, we're all, we're all ready, sensitive and, and plugged into him. God never intended for you to wait till you come here to get something. He wants you to get it and then come here for us to collectively uh, uh, be able to move into more. Hallelujah. And how's that going to happen? That we speak in tongues. Let me finish with Jude 20. Jude is just one chapter in verse 20. Tells us a vital truth. It says, you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. We need to build ourselves up on our most holy faith. How do we do it? We need to pray in the Holy Spirit. We need to pray in the Holy Spirit. I asked this question a couple of weeks ago, but I'm going to ask it again. Can you pray in the Holy Spirit more? Every one of us can. Every one of us can spend... Take your Facebook time and pray in the Spirit instead. Take your Instagram time, pray in the Spirit instead. Make, make the effort and you, and you will see a supernatural um, strengthening. If you'll make the effort and you'll stay with it and you'll, you'll really... Give attention to I am purposefully getting up 30 minutes earlier to pray 30 minutes without stopping in the Holy Spirit. Not going to fall back asleep. I'm going to stay focused. I'm going to if I have to sit on the edge of the, the, the bathtub so that I don't fall asleep. I'll safely just fall into the tub if I fall in, but I'll wake up and start praying again.